0: Well, uh, this time next week, we will know who the next president of the United States will be beginning in January of 2009, and along with that, we're going to elect a lot of other officials as well all across this country, and I believe that God would have us to talk about that this morning. You know, there might be someone who would say, well, uh, you know, I don't know about that. I believe that the church, I believe that God's people should stay out of politics. Well, I want to tell you, for the most part, I agree with you. Political involvement is not our purpose. Political involvement is not our focus, and it's definitely not our priority. The Bible says this world is not my home, amen? Aren't you glad for that? I have another land that I'm going to, another place that I'm headed, and I sense it every day. I'm longing for that place that God created for my life to be in that place called heaven. Eternity in a personal, vibrant, daily, intimate, close relationship with God in a place where He lives. I believe that the Bible teaches that we're not to get too entangled with the things of this world. We need to be very careful that we don't. while we're in the world, we're not of the world. That we don't get caught too much into the things of this world. And while we have great respect for those who do serve, As political leaders, if you are a leader here this morning, the Bible teaches us that we are to have great respect for those roles of authority. But I want to just tell you, church family, we understand that the Bible teaches we're not looking for government to save us. We are trusting in God. However, if you are that person that would say, you know, I think that the church ought to stay out of politics completely, I would just say this. First of all, I want you to know my heart. If it were up to me, I wouldn't even talk about this. I mean, to be honest with you, I was thinking about this, this this week. This is the first time I've ever preached a message on this topic. So that just kind of tells you that that's not our emphasis. And while it should not be our focus, it is an area that has a tremendous impact on our lives. It'll be very foolish. It'll be very naive for us to ignore this area, and not to have some idea of what God would say about it. In addition to that, God definitely calls us in His Word to be a people who have influence, who have an impact. On the world around us and thank God God uh, by his sovereignty has decided that you would be born in a country that many people long to be a part of because you are in a country that your voice does at least up until now still count it still matters you live in a country where you can make a difference and that should not be taken lightly should it now, there might be somebody else who would say, I don't even care about it. I'm sick of the whole thing. I mean, it's been going on. How's, how long? Somebody said, I'm just ready for it to be over. How long has it been going on? I think it's the longest election I've ever been. I think it started right after the last one ended, didn't it? Well, in a great way, I'm with you too. I don't know. You know, there's, there's a point to which I get, you know, I'm just done with it. I'm tired of it. Let's just have it over. In fact, when I think about politics, many times I have to be honest with you, I, I don't know if I trust any of them. Many times, you'd be hard-pressed to convince me that anybody involved in politics truly represents me. Now, we need to be careful about that. I have to be honest. I lean towards being a little bit cynical. I lean towards sometimes, you know, not trusting sometimes. I mean, when I go to a church, like many of you, the pastor's got to prove himself to me first. You know, I think he's an idiot until he proves that he is truly a man of God. You know, I don't mean to say it that hard. But, but you know, there are a lot of fakers out there, aren't there? And we do have to be discerning, but I I do want to say, I do believe, even though, especially on the national scene, it doesn't seem to be the majority sometimes, there are people who are serving our country for the right reasons and with the right intentions. And so we need to be careful about that approach. that We say, I just don't care about it. I just want it to be over with. And we need to take this process a little more seriously. I want to tell you, as God's servant in your lives, I've sensed the Lord's leading this week as, as his under-shepherd in this church family. Really, two roles that God would have me to give us as we think about this this morning. First of all, is a teaching role. We need to understand, what does the Bible say about this? How should we be involved? Why should Christians be engaged in this process? And, and if we are, what are some of the things that we need to consider, we need to think about as we do get involved? And, and secondly, not just a teaching role, God's kind of put on my heart, maybe as much as any time that I've ever shared with you, a prophetic role. And what do I mean by that? Well, I've just sensed this week, and I don't mean by that uh, predicting the future. I'm not going to say I know who's going to win the election next Tuesday. That's not what I mean by that. But in God's word, his servants do many times seem to have a role of declaring or announcing, thus says the Lord. And that's not just a teaching role. That, that can be a, more of a challenging, kind of has a little bit more of an edge to it. It's more of a warning or a wake-up call kind of role that God would give me as His mouthpiece to say to His people, hey, listen up. We need to wake up. We need to pay attention. God is at work in our midst and we need to be a part of that, especially with the situation that we find our country in today. I sense a little bit of that emphasis from the Lord. So just like every other area of your life, let me ask you a question. Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to know, God, what would you have to say to my life about how to be involved in this aspect of the world around me? If so, I want to talk to you about elections. Should Christians even care? Should we even mess with it? Should we even be paying attention? Or how involved should we be? Did you know that historically, only a little more than 50% of voting age adults cast ballots in U.S. presidential elections. Isn't that incredible? In our country, only half of us will even make the effort to let our voice be known. It's obvious that for some reason, many of us just don't even take the time to get involved. So I want to answer this question first. Why? Why should Christians bother? Why should we vote? Why should we take the time? What difference does it make in the first place in our lives? If I'm a follower of Christ, I'm going to heaven one day. This world is not my home. I can't change things in this world. Why should I even take the time to be a part of this process? Let me give you several reasons. I believe the Bible would challenge us to care about this process and to be involved in it. First of all, people have given their lives to give us our freedoms. You know what the Bible says in John chapter 15, verse 13? Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. Now, if you were standing in line at a restaurant, somebody walked up to you, you're standing in line, you, you just made your order, and, and right after you ordered, they give you the amount, and somebody right behind you says, hey, I want to take care of the amount, of, of the cost for you and your family today, I want to pay for the price of your meal. After you've ordered, they're getting ready to give you your order. And what if somebody said that, and then you said, you know what, I just decided to eat, eat, not eat after all. I'm just going to go home. I'm, I'm not going to eat. Wouldn't that be rude? Yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I mean, even if I wasn't hungry, even if I had an upset stomach, I'd still get the food because that person was so nice, amen? <laughs> well, people have done a lot more than pay for my food. They have given their lives over centuries for us to have a great freedom. And one of the greatest freedoms we have in our country is the ability that so many other countries long for to decide who will be our leaders. At the very least, it would be downright ungrateful for somebody to have died, for me to have the opportunity to have this freedom to elect those leaders and for me just to say, Oh, you know what? I just think I'm not going to mess with it. The What? Somebody might say, I gave my life so that you could have that freedom and that privilege. Why should we vote? Because it's just, it's just out of kindness and respect for those who've given their lives so that we could have that freedom. Secondly, we should vote because the important role of government that it has in our lives. You know, some of us have gotten kind of cynical about government. We? We've kind of felt like, you know what, the government is totally out of touch with my life. It has nothing to do with everyday, ordinary lives. And so it's hard for us to see how what the government, how what political leaders has any significance for our lives. But did you know that's not true? From the beginning, the Bible, God has said that order is important to our lives that God established laws and rules to govern our relationships, and God has established in every area, is it not true? Starting out in your home, going to your workplace, in church, wherever you find yourself, there is order in society. There needs to be people in authority. There needs to be leaders that we can look to and hopefully trust in. In fact, so important are governmental leaders that the Bible actually declares them to be ministers. Isn't that incredible? In fact, it wouldn't be a bad thing for many who are in those roles to realize. They are ministers of God. They have been given assignments by God of service to others. Write down Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Romans 13 talks about uh, our approach to government, how we should see government, how we should respect it. It says, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. We're to submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Hey, if you're living right, you don't have anything to worry about, right? But, but for those who aren't, government has been put in place to keep those people in check. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For, and here it is, it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For here again, it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary for us to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscious sake. For because of this you always you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. The Bible says that the people that God has put in place to us are servants. They're his servants. They are ministers. In fact, is this maybe where we got the idea that people who serve in those roles are what? Public what? They are public servants. Have you ever noticed how some countries call their leaders the prime what? Prime minister. Have you ever noticed how some of their leaders are called the minister of defense or the minister of education? God's word says that we're to submit to those servants of his in our lives and we're to honor them. We're not to dismiss them as unimportant and irrelevant for our lives. Look at First Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Again, it says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. In every area of life, we have people and roles of authority over us, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him, by the king, for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. By the way, there again is another definition of part of the reason for government. is to encourage an environment where people do right and to discourage or to keep, away, to keep people uh, from doing things that are wrong. In verse 17, though, it says, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, Fear God and honor the king. The Bible says that we are to show honor to people who serve in these roles in our life. And Maybe you see the government sometimes like a family. Does your family feel dysfunctional? <laughs> Does your family seem like it's not working the way it's supposed to? Well, that might be true. Many times maybe the government is acting in a very dysfunctional way, but without it, without those leaders, our society would be where? It would be in anarchy. It would be in chaos. It would be in confusion. It would be out of control. And very quickly, without those roles of authority, our society would fall apart. As dysfunctional as it might be at this very moment, without it, we'd be in a whole lot worse trouble. So we need to we need to be involved because government is important. We may feel like it's not, but it is important to our lives, and God says that it is. But a third thing I want to mention to you is the reason we should be involved is because our influence is important. Our influence as god's people is important again, I want to emphasize we need to be very careful about getting too tangled up with politics, don't we? In fact, I mean, just in general, we need, to get, we need to be very careful about getting too tangled up with anything in this world. Our focus is on Christ. Our focus is on fulfilling His purpose for us in this world, which is fulfilling His great commission and sharing with as many people as we possibly can that Jesus has come to be the Savior. That's our primary purpose. Now, now I appreciate the ministries that are working in this area. Many of you listen to Jay Seculo on the radio. Many of you listen to Dr. James Dobson. Many of you listen to Chuck Colson. I thank God for people who are Christians who are giving that attention and that focus for the body of Christ to be aware, much of the awareness that we have for the issues that are happening in our society are because we have Christian brothers and sisters who are heavily engaged in those ears. We can't all be engaged in those ears, but those ministries are engaged to keep us informed. But I do want you to realize that on balance, I don't think that the political arena should be our focus. You see, I don't believe, according to God's Word, that our concern... Should primarily be changing culture. And and listen, some Christians get really focused on that. They're so focused on changing the culture. You know what? According to God's Word, Jesus didn't come to save cultures. You know who He came to save? He came to save people, He came to save the lost. Now, when he changes lives, that will transform. That will make a difference in cultures. But I'm excited, and, and I believe God's Word teaches that, that God's people should be primarily focused by seeing lives change. So how do we balance that? How do we, how do we be involved but keep the right focus? Let me read to you out of uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13-16. through 16. Let me give you this principle. Something important to realize in, in thinking about How should we be involved? How should we be engaged? We need to, listen, spread the salt so that we can shine the light. Okay, look at what Jesus says in Matthew 5.13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now what does that mean? Salt does many things, but one of the things that salt does, salt delays decay. When something is dying... When something is rotting, salt slows down the decaying process. Now here, don't miss this. We're not trying to make this world heaven, are we? This world is never going to be heaven. This world is on its way out. It is dying out. And God is going to fix this world one day. He's going to recreate the heavens and the earth and he's going to make them what they're supposed to be. So I'm not trying to make this world what it's supposed to be. God can do that by himself very well. Amen? Amen. But, and don't miss this, while it's on its way out, we can be salt to slow down the dying process, to slow the decay. And while the reason we're slowing that down, we spread the salt so that we have more opportunity to shine the light. Now, let me give an example of what I mean by that. If I were on an airplane, and the pilot comes over the loudspeaker and he says, listen everyone, the plane is going down. In about two minutes, this plane is going to crash. Please prepare yourself. You know what, people would be going crazy with it. They'd be going ballistic and somebody would just panic and they'd run over and they'd start to be trying to open the door. And I'd say, you know what, we're going to die anyway, but I'd rather it be two minutes from now than right now. If you open that door, it's not going to be good for us. And the primary reason I'd be thinking that is because I need about 30 seconds. I just want to say, hey, listen everyone, we're going to die. But Jesus Christ gave His life for you. If you'll put your trust in Him, you can receive Him as Savior and you can go to heaven in about a minute and 30 seconds. (laughs) Now, if somebody rips the door off, it's going to be awfully hard for me to say that as I'm being sucked out of the plane, right? That would give us a little more opportunity to shine the light if we could just slow down The process. Our ultimate focus, our ultimate purpose is to share the good news about Jesus. But sometimes, listen, this is the point, sometimes by being a part of the process, you can slow that decay down long enough where you have more opportunity to shine that light. Now, let me tell you how that looks for us, especially in the light of the current presidential election. If the popular projections are true... We could have the most liberal senator as our next president, and his vice presidential candidate is the third most, is rated the third most liberal senator, and he barely missed being rated the second most liberal. By the way, in comparison, Hillary Clinton was rated number 16. That shows you how liberal their viewpoints are. Now, consider that in a day when at least two, maybe three to four Supreme Court justices will be appointed in this next president's administration. And the president and the Congress, who we voted in as a country, will use their philosophical perspectives to make the decisions about who serves in those Supreme Court justice roles. Now, as I said earlier, ultimately, are we dependent on the Supreme Court? Absolutely not. God is in control. I guarantee you, God will have the final say. But we would have to be naive to not admit that those who are in power in our lives and the decisions they make and the directions they take do have an extreme amount of impact on our everyday lives, don't they? And not only that, more importantly to me than that, yes, in a selfish way, I'm concerned of of what kind of country my kids are going to grow up in. Absolutely, I am concerned about that. But in a in a kingdom-focused kind of way, and, and from a God's perspective, these decisions that are made could have an extreme amount of impact on our ability to get God's message out to the people of the world. Let me just give you an example. Right now, there is a plan afoot to limit talk radio in our country. Now, primarily... That's that's targeted at conservative voices. And by the way, the Christian radio is lumped in that same category. Now, if the government took the perspective, if it was being led by people who had the perspective that they would keep us and others from radio and TV programs, could we still do the Lord's work? Absolutely. Would we still do the Lord's work? Absolutely. But would that limit our ability as Christians to get the message out? I wonder how many people in this room today, at least part of your initial contact with our church family was you saw us on TV or you heard about us on radio. And there are many people that, that all from Albany all the way to Lake Placid, some say, maybe as many as a million people that are able to be impacted by our media ministry. Think of all the people's lives that we're able to touch right now. We're just having this service this morning. And we're able to broadcast that service and share that same message with all those people. If you don't think this is a big deal ask Christians in India and in China now I'll be honest as a big picture God's work is flourishing in some of those areas and we would say praise the Lord for that but on an individual level on an individual church level in in in, in the context of everyday life and ministry they yes God's work is flourishing but they're having to worry about their lives every day. They're having to worry, are we going to be arrested? They're having to worry even for their life many times. Are they going to be put in jail? Are they going to be beaten? Because they have a government that is over them that is not open to Christians. And because those governments are dictatorships many times, or at least have that perspective, the people have no way to change that. Friends, there may come a day And it might be dawning right now that we have to learn to do the Lord's work in much less favorable circumstances. But do you hear me? While we have the opportunity, while we have the opportunity, ultimately God's in control, and ultimately this is a nationwide decision, but while you have an opportunity to make your vote, to make your voice heard, Why would we not do all that we could to keep that opportunity? Amen? Why should we do that? Because people have given their lives. Why should we do that? Because God says the government is not irrelevant to your lives. It does have an important role in your lives. And why should we do that? Because we have been given the privilege of being in a country where God has called us to make an impact, and our country has given us the ability as individuals to be a part of making an impact. We'd be very foolish not to use that opportunity. We better use it or we might lose it, is what we might say. Those are some of the reasons why we should vote. But let's talk about what are some things that we should consider as we vote. As Christians, as God's people, what are some things that should be important as we think about voting, as we think about making a difference? Well, the first thing I'd say to you is everything. Everything should be important to you. I mean, I can't be in Washington next week. I'm not going to be in the mayor's office next week. But in my in our form of government, I can send someone to represent who, me. Now, listen. If you left somebody in charge of your job, if you left somebody in charge of your children, and they were going to make decisions on behalf of you while you were gone out of town, wouldn't you want them to know? Here's what I'm expecting. Here's how I want to be represented. Here's here's what I want to happen while I'm gone. The Bible says if you're going to do something important, you should do as much homework as you can before you do it. Luke chapter 14 verse 28 talks about that. Certainly voting is in the category of important things in my life. I I am choosing some people who are going to go somewhere else and represent me in our government. That's a pretty important thing, isn't it? By the way, that's why it's really frustrating that many Americans seem to put our fingers up in the wind and say oh i'm not sure i'm just you know i guess i'll know when i get there hello i know when i'll get there what kind of preparation is that oh we'll just see i'm just waiting for one more speech you know i just want to hear this one word you know what in our society today there's just no reason for us not to be educated on who we're voting for There's so much information out there. And shouldn't the leader or the leaders of the free world or of our neighborhood be chosen with more care than that? Shouldn't we look at what candidates are saying? And even more important than that, shouldn't we look at what candidates have done? Someone has said, past actions are the best indicators of future behaviors. Look at somebody's record. It's right there. It's for us to look at in our society. We can do that. And we ought to do that. While all the issues are important on some level, I mean, the economy is pretty important to me, is it to you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, energy and all those uh, solutions that need to be come up with, immigration, the views of how the government should be in, what the government's rolling in our life, all those things are important. I don't know that they're necessarily so important that, uh, that we should talk about those things this morning. I want to talk to you more about the, the things that, from God's perspective, I believe He would have me as His mouthpiece to challenge His people to think about this morning, some of the moral issues. There's some key issues that we need to think about as we vote. Some of the most important, first of all, are life issues. I want to talk to you about abortion. Unfortunately, we are so desensitized to this topic in our nation. It's just a bullet point. Hey, somebody gives their platform. Well, I'm for this, or I'm against this, or I'm for this, and abortion is like number four or five or six. You know, it's just it's just a list. It's just a a bullet on the list, bullet point. Did you know for the last 35 years, a baby has lost its life every 22 seconds? Let's just think about that for just a moment. Starting right now. there's another one and if you just sit and count for 22 more seconds there's another one a baby loses its life a person just like you every 22 seconds because we decided it was our right to choose but the baby has no say friends i just got to tell you that leaves me speechless it gets my stomach in knots when i think about it. Now listen, we shouldn't be raving idiots about this. As some people just, you know, just have the wrong approach and how to approach things like this, but but we should be staunch advocates against the practice of abortion. We should be advocates for the innocent lives that are involved in abortion and we should be advocates to help those who've made this terrible decision. And friend, I want you to know, if you have made that decision, God is not against you. God loves you. It breaks His heart that you've been through that experience. It breaks His heart that many in our country are lying to you about that. You've been done wrong about that. You were convinced by somebody else to make that decision. You were taken advantage of. You were in a vulnerable position. Or you made that decision that you so much regret now. And I just want to tell you, God wants to forgive you. God wants to bring healing. We want to help you. This church is not a museum for saints. It is a hospital for sinners. We've all made mistakes. That might be the mistake that you made and it's a serious mistake. But God wants to help you with that. We're not condemning you today or your life. Jesus came for people like you and like me. But as a nation, we must say that has to stop. Many people want to just put this issue behind us. We'll tell that to the next baby in 22 seconds. They're not able to put the issue behind them. Friends, listen, you must look at the records of all the candidates on this issue, and in the presidential race, the viewpoints are absolutely opposite. It's very clear. Let's talk about another important issue of life, stem cell research. So much has been said about this issue, but so few people realize that scientists are already working with adult stem cells in research, and that great things are happening. The issue, though, is embryonic stem cell research, which requires the destruction of a human life. Listen to what stemcellresearch.org says. Direct reprogramming of human cells involving adult stem cells is one of the most significant scientific findings of the last quarter century. More significant than cloning Dolly the sheep. Indeed, the scientist who originally cloned Dolly, Professor Ian Wilmot, recently stated that direct reprogramming is is extremely exciting and astonishing. A scientific approach he finds a hundred times more interesting than cloning. So much more interesting that he will abandon cloning research and pursue direct reprogramming instead. Instead of creating a life in order to destroy it, like embryonic stem cell research would require. In terms of our current presidential race, from what his website says, Senator John McCain appears to be strongly against embryonic stem cell research. Now, I do have to say that I've seen a report that says he is in favor of using embryos that were already created for that purpose. He would just say we shouldn't create any more for that purpose. Now, I would hope that with his otherwise strong stance on these issues and on support of life, that he would change his view on that area, especially with the great promise that adult stem cell research seems to be uh, showing us. Senator Obama's position, on the other hand, appears to be totally in favor of embryonic stem cell research. Do you know what the Bible, do you know what the Bible says about sacrificing children? Because in our view, it's necessary? Whether that's abortion or whether that's stem cell research and embryonic stem cells. In Jeremiah 32, verse 35, go back and read that passage. In a pronouncement of judgment, the Lord says this about his people, and in a point of kind of sad exaggeration on God's part, he says this. He says, I never would have thought that my people could stoop that low. That's what God says about it when his people were sacrificing their children to a pagan God so I would have never thought that my children could have done something that low but because they had God was going to allow their culture to be taken over by another nation God's words very clear this is wrong this is wrong and we need to be very clear on that as God's people what about marriage issues Well, this is not an overnight phenomenon, is it? Since the 1960s, marriage has been taking a hit. But I want to tell you, church family, it's getting worse, and it looks like marriage is just about to get a knockout blow. You need to do your homework on this, because the candidates in this election have very different views of what constitutes a marriage. And that is going to have huge implications on our country. If it's true, as some have said, that as the family goes, so goes the nation... We're in trouble. Do you know what the Bible says about a community that has so perverted God's design for marriage and sexual intimacy like we have? Read Genesis chapter 19. Have you ever heard of Sodom and Gomorrah? I heard Billy Graham once said this, if God does not judge the United States of America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. What's he saying? We're no different. We're right there. We have gotten so off track from God's design for our lives. Church family, I hope you're seeing Christians should care about elections. Now hey, let's keep the balance, amen? I've already shared my heart with you. I could care less about being political, about being involved in all these things, but you know what? We also need to realize even though we don't need to get too entangled in those things, we don't need to completely distance ourselves because we have a responsibility just out of kindness to the people who have given their lives for us to have those freedoms because the incredible impact that that government has on our lives, a God-given role in our lives, we should be engaged in those things because God has called us to as much as possible make an impact in this world so that we can have more and more opportunity and an environment to more positively get out His message to the world. We should be involved in this process. And we need to be aware of some of the issues. And we need to educate ourselves and make sure we're making wise choices. In the current election cycle, especially the presidential one, those two candidates could not represent more different ideologies, especially about moral issues. If you just pop the tape in and play it out, I believe without a doubt in five to ten years, our country could be in two very different directions. And some of the directions that are being proposed I believe once we start down the path, once you start down that path, it is very difficult to ever turn the tide. Friends, this is serious. It's important. Let's keep it in balance. I'm trusting Jesus. Amen. Aren't you glad for that today? I'm not dependent. I I respect our government. I respect our governor. I respect our president. And whether we uh, necessarily see the person elected that that you feel like that God would have you to have voted for. You need to pray for whoever it is, because we respect them, we honor them, no matter who it is. But while we have an opportunity, we need to let our voice be heard. But let me just go back to that point that I just made. Can you say today that no matter what happens in our country, no matter what direction the election goes? no matter what circumstances come up in your life, that you're going to be all right? Can you say that? You know what the Bible says? You can say that if you put your trust in Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for that? I'm so thankful for my country. I'm so thankful for the strength. I'm so thankful for the foundation that it gives me for the life that it has offered to me and to my family. I'm so thankful for all those things. But I'm also realizing that I'm not totally dependent on those things. I'm dependent on God. And no matter what circumstances I find myself in, he has promised that through the storms of life that my life can stand. And I remember years ago, as Shannon and I were getting married, I remember just thinking, "So many people come and go, so many people up and down, so many marriages come and go. God, how can we know that we can make it?" And God just spoke to me, Robbie, even though people like flies are just falling all around, you can stand. If you will put your trust in me. Friend, I'm not done yet. But so far, God has helped us. And He will help you too. If you will trust in Him. Do you feel that sense of helplessness today? Do you feel that sense of lack of control? That really, in a sense, even though I can let my voice be heard, it's out of my hands. Do you feel that? That's not always a bad feeling. Because it's true. Only God, only God can help us. Would you put your trust in Jesus today? Would you just say, dear God, I know I can't do it on my own. I know you came to be my Savior. You died for me. You rose again. You can give me life-changing power. Please, Jesus, come in and help me. Give me peace in my heart. Give me confidence that I can make it. Would you be my Savior? You can do that right now, right now. If you're a Christian today, would you just ask God to help you? Maybe your attitude hasn't been what it needs to be in this area. Maybe you've just tried to spiritualize it. Oh, you know, that's just the things of this world. But I'm a Christian, it doesn't matter to me. That's not true according to God's Word. Would you let God speak to your heart? Hey, and Christians, would you do what really God calls His people primarily to do? The best thing you can do, you need to vote. But the best thing you can do is pray. Go read 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people... Hey, wait a second. God's not talking about the world out there. God says judgment begins at His house. Let's clean house here first. Maybe it's Christians that are the problem. Maybe if we got our act together, maybe the country would be going in a better direction. Let's point the finger at us first. Amen? If my people, who are called by my name, would humble themselves and seek my face, then I would heal their land. If they would pray and seek me, then I would heal them and their land. Maybe this election has just given us a good opportunity to realize we've gotten far away from from the Lord. Amen. We've started depending on ourselves or someone else. And maybe it's just a good time to realize, dear God, help us. Have mercy on us. Don't give us what we deserve. That's what mercy is. Please don't give us what we deserve. Would you ask the Lord to do that today? In whatever way it applies, for our country or for your own life today. Father, thank you for challenging our hearts today. Thank you that you apply your truth. Your word applies to every aspect of our lives. And God, though, even though in a real way, we don't want to get entangled in the things of this world, we don't want want to lose our perspective. But yet we need to be engaged. We should be in the world but not of it. So help us to be in there making a difference for your glory. It's for your, it's for your glory, God. We want your name to be great. We want to honor you. So Speak to us right now in Jesus' name. Amen. If God is speaking to your heart, we have a time in our service called an invitation and we just invite you to respond to the Lord. You can just... Right where you stand, you can say, dear God, and whatever you need to talk to Him about, just in your heart, you can close your eyes. You can get on your knees at your seat. You can come down front. You don't have to talk to anybody. Just symbolically, you say, you know what? I want to make a move. God, just physically, I want to just make a move in my life. I'm going to come down front kneel before the cross and just call out to you, God. You can do that. If you want to talk to somebody, especially if you're ready to receive Christ today. Friend, do you feel the uneasiness in our world today? I'm going to tell you if it weren't for the Lord Jesus I'd get up in the morning a little bit nervous. But I can honestly tell you I am not afraid. I don't say that naively or foolishly. I'm very aware that our world is in turmoil. It's in upheaval. And in many ways the Bible seems to indicate that's going to get worse before it gets better as the end of history comes. So we realize that. But the Bible says whoever puts their trust in Him She'll never be put to shame. You'll never regret trusting Jesus. Would you do that today? You'll never regret it.